Leipzig this month. And um, today we're going to end our sermon series for the month also about the trail. I thank you for indulging me through that. I hope it's been uh, helpful to you. We'll have a new version of it, hopefully in a year, if we get back out there again. And uh, just thank you for putting up with that. Always, I tell you that the experience is secondary to the purpose of which I bring it up. Because we're always pointing to Christ and us as his church, or else the stories really don't mean much. And today we're talking about dangers on the trail, but we also talk about dangers in life itself. And certainly dangers, uh, trials, temptations, and risks that come with the Christian life itself. And then the resources we have and how we go about handling that and helping each other. Now, I've given you the outline, okay? You can sit back and listen, and you can help uh, hopefully enjoy that. I know you came to church this morning. It was a low-risk journey. You know, on Monday through Friday around here, there's always a lot of people on the road in a hurry to get where somewhere at the same time. It's, it's kind of hairy, and it? sometimes it really um, seems dangerous. Uh, then you come to a Sunday morning, it was easy, wasn't it? You got out in traffic with no problem, no weights. You got to church. Maybe, maybe you didn't park as near the building as you wanted to. I'm not sure, but maybe at this hour it was okay. You could get here all right, and, and no one threatened you coming in the building, right? No one did? That's good. That's good. That's where it's supposed to be. So coming to church didn't seem to be very threatening. But then I think about this. There, there can be visitors, I hope, that are with us today, and, and it feels, always feels to a person unfamiliar a little threatening. I mean, they're not sure uh, how they're going to be received and accepted. So don't think that everyone sitting here has had the same experience on a Sunday morning. Uh, We all come from different places and experiences, and with that comes maybe a way of seeing things differently. But dangers are common in life. It really starts, they say, with getting out of bed every morning. It's as simple as the risk that you take, that when you go out into a crowd, whether that's work or school or any other place, you could catch a disease or have an accident or something violent around us might happen. And yet we call it life and we get up and go about it anyway, right? So we are experienced in dealing with that kind of life. Now there are people around us, and I think particularly of our soldiers who, whose um, work carries them more into what we describe as harm's way, which you and I don't live in every day. Now, there are parts of the world that people live in that setting day and week and month and sometimes year after year, and and they make the news, and we pray for people that are living in those conditions, though we ourselves feel very comfortable at the moment. And when I think about walking on the trail, the dangers there are not nearly so uh, big as you might think of in the large scale of dangers. Uh, Simply, if you're on the trail and there's a medical emergency that you have of one kind or another, you cannot simply dial 911 and have an ambulance drive up next to you in a few minutes to pick you up. That's not going to happen. They may send someone, if you can actually get through and describe well enough where you're located, they will send someone, but it's going to take a lot longer. Uh, medevacs do happen out of it by helicopter, but you don't want that to happen to you. You don't want to need that. Uh, instead, they tell you that when you're hurt on the trail, you need to know that you may be your own rescuer. So uh, the thing you want to do is to try your best to get back up on your feet and walk to a road crossing or somewhere where you can get out of the trail and get assistance if needed. 
That's just part of it, the danger if you're injured. Uh, we talk about wild animals. I'm going to take your word for it. There are bears out there since I've never seen one yet. See a snake every once in a while. And usually it's about a step and a half ahead of me. So I just barely miss it. But, you know, they haven't called up and jumped at me. So no dangers that I really see. There are dangers of weather. Uh, it can change easily. If you go prepared well, generally you can uh, make it through that easy enough. This year uh, it happened on the third day out. I was out. Uh, the temperature that day never got above 39 degrees, and it was uh, wind was blowing hard. About half the day, it was raining and sleeting. Uh, that was all a surprise in late April. Uh, I did have some gear with me, but I always uh, like to walk feeling cool, not hot. So I'm out walking in the weather, in the weather with a short sleeve shirt on about half the day. And finally, I put on a wind parka on top of that because I feel a little bit cool. And I thought I was okay till I stopped at the uh, park entrance to... High Point Park in New Jersey. It's called High Point because that is the high point. That's it. And it's pretty simple. And, and there is a spiral on the top of that very highest point that looks like the Washington Monument. It's, this one's 220 feet high. And you can go up in it. And it's uh, just part of the landmark of that area. And you walk through that park. I stopped at the park office. They had a place where you could go in and kind of read up some things, but didn't see anyone. After a few minutes, I left, and, and when I left, there was a, a water fountain outside, so I just took a real big swallow and drinking up some uh, nice cold water. Then I got on the trail walking, and uh, another two miles till I reached my camp. When I put down my pack, I began to notice something I had not paid attention to, and that was the fact that my teeth were chattering. I don't mean I was making them chattering. They were chattering on their own. I'm going, that's kind of interesting. How did you do that, you know? And then it came to me. I said, you know what you've done, Glenn? You've managed to uh, get your body temperature to drop, and you're not supposed to do that. And I put on my jacket, but it's still too cold, so I climbed my sleeping bag after setting up camp and, and lay there for about an hour and a half with my teeth chattering and thinking to myself, you know, I probably should be doing something else. What should I be doing anyway? I know you should heat up some water, and you should heat up some food and eat that. That would be really smart if you get out of this sleeping bag and go do that. So it took me 30 more minutes to talk myself into it. And I got back up, got out of the sleeping bag, and fixed myself something hot to drink and, and something to eat. And had that. And sure enough, that does a lot toward heating you back up on the inside. Got back in the sleeping bag again and laid there and felt much better. Hypothermia is one of those things you can suffer from. I had that happen one time uh, years ago, the only other time I walked through a snowy day. And that's what this day was like, the second half of it as well, when it snowed and sleeted. So there are dangers of water, there are dangers of falling. I covered that one last year. I'm going to talk about that one this year, except for I didn't do it. Okay, didn't fall and get hurt. Uh, there's dangers of running out of resources, uh, the things that you need to carry with you and not having them. There's the danger of getting lost. And it's always important that you stay on the trail because if something happens to you, that's where people will come looking. So do not leave the trail. Stay on it. Wait on help if you can't go to help and let it come to you. Now begin to think about the Christian life where they're dangerous. And I want to give you a list of Paul's own experiences that you and I might call dangerous. And it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled all the day long journey. Uh, I faced dangers from rivers and robbers, 
face dangers from my own people, the Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I face dangers in the city, in the desert, on the sea. face dangers from men who claim to be believers but are not. I've worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights, been hungry and thirsty, I've gone without food, I've shivered in the cold without enough of clothing to keep me warm. Those things remind me of news stories today. When you look at the Christians in the Middle East, particularly those who uh, had a century-old history of living in northern Iraq, most of that uh, community that still exists is now, are now refugees in Jordan. Uh, they were displaced. They will not be going back. Uh, the reason is that once the uh, uh, ISIS people occupied the area, they destroyed everything. So they had absolutely nothing to return. Now, is that difficult? Is that dangerous? They live a life full of danger. Christians outside of our own country, uh, some in Africa, some in the Middle East, are always in danger of any day of losing their life just because of their faith. We need to pray for those people. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. We care for them and we are in hopes that God will work in their lives and in the conflicts around them to give them safety and watch over them. In America, we're not facing that kind of danger to our faith. And I want you to know that doesn't mean our faith doesn't have its obstacles around us. In fact, I think there are some things that are very dangerous and we may not see them because they don't wear a badge telling you to watch out. One of those would be uh, simply our culture around us uh, has different values from us. It hates to speak the word sin and really doesn't like for us to talk about it either. So there are many things you'll find uh, in the media, uh, in programming on televisions or movies that are values so different from ours and our faith. And it can affect us in our journey. Sin has a way of creeping in if we let it. And our culture would promote that in many places. We have to be careful about how we live and the values that we have. It's as simple as our culture promotes things like uh, sports and entertainment and leisure to a level that it becomes more important than God is. And we can like those things, we can share in them, but when they become more than what they should be, that becomes a danger. So our faith has risk around it. Things that would pull us away from it, distracting us from what God is doing and what God wants. The fact is, we don't live in a faith-neutral environment. We don't live in a land that simply says, you know, we're not going to affect you. In fact, everything, each, affect the other. We hope so. We want our faith also to be a winning faith. that opens the love of God in Christ to others, and they find it. But that's not always easy for others to see. 1 Corinthians 10, it says this, If you're thinking you're standing strong, be careful not to fall. The temptations in your life are no different from that other's experience. And God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. Along the trail, there are uh, some uh, green blazes that sometimes are shortcuts or uh, safer places to walk in difficult times. For instance, on the trail, there are uh, windy ridges. 
and uh, on those places when it's rocky, when it's uh, raining, and the wind is blowing, it's not safe to walk in that area. So they have a bypass trail you can take. That's pretty neat. In fact, this most people will take it anyway because it's easier to walk. But you can walk out in a big one or you can walk out in that, that one. Sometimes there are places where uh, during a lot of water falling, it's too impassable to walk. So they alternate trail a different route. We need to know that God is watching over us. He sustains us. There's one section I'll show you called the lemon squeeze. That slide, if you put it up, the lemon squeeze is uh, a place where you go down the trail. You see that little trail through there? Those rocks are about 10, 12 feet high on either side. And you can't walk, I can't walk through it with my shoulders facing straight. That's how narrow it is. And the trail goes through it. The only way you can walk through it is to take your pack off and drag it behind you through it. Now, if you're not willing to do all that, the good news is they have a bypass trail around it. But you know, if you're going to be a real purist and walk the trail, you're supposed to go through there. Okay? But there's a way around. We're thinking about our faith and how we make journeys in life. How do we respond to fear in your life? Do we run from all the fears? Well, the truth is we can't run from all of it, can we? Smart, we're smart, we know what to run from. Uh, I've really not been uh, afraid too many times on the trail. Again, not been confronted by a bear. That probably would make me afraid. Uh, I have, uh, there's not a, a hiker I've ever met that has made me afraid. I tell folks, you don't worry about them taking anything. They don't want to carry it. They got all they want to carry with them. They're not going to take anything you got. Uh, if there's any people that I am more concerned about on the trail, it's local people. And I have on a couple occasions when I'm walking on the trail, uh, looking ahead, seen a, uh, where it crossed the road, and there was a gathering of obviously local people because vehicles were around, and their actions and conversation made me uncomfortable. And I've stood there waiting for some other hikers to come my way so I didn't have to pass them by myself. But that's the only time it's happened. Other than that, people really haven't bothered me. That's not a concern. But how do we respond? If we feel too afraid, what does that do to us? Well, in real life, it means that we quit doing things. You can get so afraid, you don't do anything. But some people have a higher tolerance level for danger. Uh, I think about folks who ride motorcycles, and I have been one of those several times in my life. And I'm aware of the enjoyment of it, the excitement of doing it. I have liked that part about it. Uh, I like it particularly when it's between 60 and 80 degrees outside. I like that, that time of temperature to ride in. And I'm aware that uh, I did some of my best driving when I'm riding a motorcycle because you have to be careful. I'm also aware that other people often don't see you. And that's the scary part in riding one. And so you're constantly cautious. And there's some people that simply don't need to ride them because if you're so afraid, don't get on one. Okay, don't do that. And if people around you are too afraid, too. You know, if Vicki told me, Glenn, I don't want you to have one, I wouldn't have had one. And during the time our children were little, I didn't have one. I didn't have one at that time, and it wasn't that important to me. We're taught to deal with the fears in life. Sometimes we are smarter, we have more things that we are willing to have, uh, to be afraid of. And sometimes we learn to stay outside of those fears. Uh, the same is way of the Christian life. We believe that God's love is real for us, and he is watching over us. This passage in Second Corinthians chapter 7, we were arriving in Macedonia. There was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction. 
with battles on the outside and fears on the inside. And that sounds pretty uh, afraid, doesn't it? That sounds like a lot of trouble has happened in your life. Then they said, but God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us. And Jesus had something to say about uh, us living in times of persecution or danger with our faith uh, in Matthew chapter 5. God bless those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. God blesses you when, you mock, when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things against you because you are my followers. Be happy about it. Be very glad. For a great reward awaits you in heaven. And remember, the ancient prophets were persecuted in the same way. He said, there is an adventure in life he wants us to have. That's what I think draws me to the trail. And also I think there is an adventure in the Christian life. And Jesus would say it's to be a follower of his. And that takes the shape of being a disciple ourselves, of winning other people to the love of God through our own life and our words and our work. And with that, we find a joy in the faith. Now, the second thing I want to share with you is about, uh, it is a saying that John Wesley um, wrote. I teach all the confirmands this. In fact, we go over it many times, and most of them have it memorized. Are you ready? If you'll put it up for us on the screen. Uh, John Wesley said this, and I want you to read it out loud. Will you do that? Read it with me out loud. Do all the good you can by all the means you can and all the ways you can and all the places you can at all the times you can to all the people you can as long as you ever can. Now leave it there for a moment. That's a lot of cans in that in there. And there's a lot of alls in that. It's not a halfway experience. Uh, It is an adventure that John Wesley describes. He's saying that's what the the life of the faith is about. It's not always going to be easy. It'll put us in conflict with others at times. But if you'll do that, there is a joy in the adventure. And God's kingdom comes to life for us. I enjoy the trail. And there'll come a time when I'm through with it. Not too many years from now. But this journey, it never ends. It's meant to be there as long as you and I are alive. He has a place for us. It's all you can. In every way you do it. That is the only way to live it. Now we sometimes uh, describe this also uh, in a prayer. John Wesley has. And I want us to share the next slide. It's going to be a two slide prayer. Uh, It's a contemporary version of Wesley's covenant prayer. Sometimes used at um, watch night services late on December 31st. For the New Year's, and we don't have those, so I pull it out at other times. And John Wesley reminds us of of our commitment to God and what He can do with us. So I want you to pray aloud with me this prayer. Would you do that? Let's pray it together. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will, place me with whom you will, put me to doing, put me to suffering, let me be put to work for you or set aside for you, praise for you, or criticized for you. Let me be full, let me be empty, let me have all things. Next phrase. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. 
I freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are mine and I am yours. So be it. And the covenant which I have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. The Christian life is only partially an experience you find at church. It is how we live when we leave here that we live the Christian life. We come here to celebrate what God is doing. We come here to pray and to hear and to share in his work. And then we go and we serve. So I ask you to think today about the adventure of your faith, the dangers that are around it, and the joy that makes it worth every one of them as we share it together. Let's pray. Lord, you are the one who watches over us. Give us the presence of your spirit. Open us, Lord, that we may be your followers as we share together in this prayer. In Christ we pray. Amen.